We pick up our study through 1 Peter, tracing the rainbow through the rain. Back in chapter 1, verse 6, Peter writes, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. The apostle Paul had the same idea in mind when he wrote to the Corinthians, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I want us to hone in on two very distinct phrases. One from Peter's letter of encouragement, and two from Paul's exhortation to the Corinthians. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, I want us to hone in, focus on that phrase, even though now for a little while. Do you see it? And then out of 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, momentary light affliction. On the surface, these two phrases seem to be demeaning, degrading, and devaluing the storms of life. I do not know about you, but when I find myself in the midst of a storm, especially if it is the result of personal attack, that storm does not appear brief, and it does not appear light. Amen? It hurts. And if I did not know there was an end in sight, I could not survive, much less rejoice. I cannot help when I look at this passage of thinking back to the most horrific, painful, personal experience my wife and I ever encountered. The day after Thanksgiving, some years ago, we had a little boy born into our home, Benjamin Travis Dishman. We were so excited. We had a little girl. Now we had a little boy to add to our family. But our son was born with a heart defect. Technically, it's referred to as transposition of the arteries. That means the two arteries carrying blood and oxygen through the heart were reversed. Our little boy immediately underwent open heart surgery. He was born on a Friday, on a Monday. He went through 12 hours of surgery. When the doctor emerged and came into the waiting room, he told us that the surgery was textbook perfect. It had a 96% success rate. Seven days later, we were called into another waiting room where this very same surgeon told us our son would not live through the night. We got on our knees. We thanked God for his goodness. 
and we sang, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Then they disconnected our little boy from the machines that were keeping him alive. And a sweet nurse placed our little baby boy into the arms of my wife as he left this world and shifted into eternity. It was a crushing moment. But because of the promise of God, we knew we would see our little boy again. We did not know what God was doing, but we knew who God was. And because God had sent his precious son to die on Calvary's cross to pay the price for everything that we had ever said, thought, or done, because he had made for us the promise of salvation here and heaven hereafter, we had the promise that we would see our little boy again. I would have had a short time with him here, but I will spend eternity with him there. And that is the kind of encouragement Peter is seeking to offer each of us. Peter is challenging us to put our pain into perspective. We cope with pain by viewing our suffering on the timeline of eternity. Any trial, any pain, any suffering we go through is only a blip on the radar screen of eternity. Now, sometimes that is the only thing that keeps us from pulling the covers up over our heads and curling up into a fetal position. No matter how hard the rain, no matter how strong the wind, our hope of heaven allows us to trace the rainbow through the rain. Back to verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Now it gets difficult. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Focus on that word, distressed. It is the Greek word lupeo, and it literally means to be put to grief or to be made sorrowful. Our suffering, our pain, often produces mental fatigue that is far more serious than the physical anguish. How frequently are suicides the result of mental and emotional fatigue? When an individual is so overwhelmed by the storms of life or the pain of life that the only hope they have is to end it all. Thank God for the hope we have in Jesus. Thank God that life is more than what we see with our eyes or touch with our hands. Praise God, we can lift our eyes above this world and smile because we have an inheritance waiting for us in the next world. But understand these storms are painfully personal to each of us. 
I do not want in any way to minimize the storm you may be going through as you watch or listen to this session. What you are going through hurts. It, it may seem unrelenting. You may think that you are the only person going through what you are going through. And I hate to break it to you, but you may be the only one going through it. Peter acknowledges this to be true in verse six. Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Look at those two words, various trials. The word translated various is poililos. It means diverse. You mean one size storm doesn't fit all? You mean that, that there's one storm for you and there's a very different storm for me? Absolutely. The word literally means multicolor. <laughs> Think of Old Testament Joseph's coat of many colors. You see, the enemy knows just what buttons to push in each of our lives. And his goal is our destruction and the destruction of our faith. Various, diverse, multicolored. But that word various, diverse, multicolored it is attached to the word trials. It is the Greek word pyrosmois, from which we get our English words, pyrotechnics or pyromania. That is an obsession uh, with fire. Well, what does fire do? Oh, fire certainly destroys, but it can also purify. What are the, the trials of life meant to do for the child of God? Well, let's let the Apostle Paul answer that question for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul writes, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with, here's the connection, fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. So let's take that passage penned by the Apostle Paul. Think about the trials or the fires of life and see not how they can destroy us, but how they can purify us. Paul is reminding us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that fire tests the genuineness of something. Fire strengthens or tempers something. Think about steel. Fire, fire helps remove impurities 
and purifies something. Think of the process of smelting. And that is what the trials of life do for us. Understand everything in our lives, the devil intends for evil, God can use for good in our lives if we will let him. Look at verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter continues in chapter 1 verse 7, so that the proof, that is the evidence, the proof of your faith. Remember in one session we define faith forsaking all I trust him. So that the proof, the evidence of your trusting him being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Scholar and author Warren Wiersbe wrote, quote, the trials of life test our faith to prove its sincerity. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. A person who abandons his or her faith when the going gets tough is only proving that he or she had no faith at all. Does that sound harsh? No. Jesus said the same thing in the parable of the sower. In Matthew chapter 13, our precious Savior tells this story. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came and choked them out. And others fell on the ground, on the good soil, and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then later in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus explains the parable of the sower to us. In verse 18, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises, does that connect with Peter? When affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it, can be, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Uh, what was Jesus talking about? He was talking about people who have a head knowledge, but never experience heart knowledge. 
People who have an emotional high, but when the storms of life come, there's no spiritual impact. No real brokenness, no real repentance, no real confession. On the outside, great house, great structure, but absolutely no foundation. In fact, the importance of a foundation for the believer was mentioned by Jesus as he concluded the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7, concluding that greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Jesus tells the story of two men, both built in, with the same purpose, both built with the same plans, both built in the same place, but there was very different results. The foundation made all the difference in the world. Some of you have had your faith seriously tested by fire. And if you could interact with us, you would say, my faith is stronger, it's deeper, it's purer than ever before because of the storms and the fires I have been through. And one day you will discover with great rejoicing that not only was your faith a tested faith, but it proved to be a trustworthy faith. Verse seven again so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though here it is tested by fire, may be found. Here is the outcome of a faith that has stood the test of time, a faith that has endured the fires of life, may be found result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Beloved, that is a hope worth hanging on to. I'll see you next session. I want to thank you for joining us on this journey through First Peter. It is our desire to help you grow in your faith by going deeper in God's Word. I hope you found these sessions to be both inspiring and challenging. 
None of us want to stay where we are. As we said in one of our sessions, we want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. You can follow us on YouTube, Word Power Media Ministry, Instagram, Word Power Media Ministry, or whatever podcast you happen, server you happen to use, again, Word Power Media Ministry. And please, if you've been inspired by what you have seen, if we have helped you grow in your faith, please tell others about us. It is a word of mouth ministry and we need your help. If you'd like to reach out and encourage us, you can send us an email, wordpowermm at gmx.com. But we would love to know how we have encouraged you. So please reach out to us. Thank you for joining us. Have a blessed day.